Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, team. Welcome back. Lovely to have you all again. So today I've got something a little bit different, but very special for you. It's our first ever returning guest to the podcast. And I mean, what a man to have back. Um, we last spoke to him in June 2020. And since then, he's a World Cup winner, a seven series winner, and a two-time Australian Sean McKay sevens player of the year. It is, of course, the one, the only Mr. Henry Hutchinson. Now occupying the role of vice captain of Australian sevens, the man is shot to the top. And is now considered one of one of the best in the game. Um, what a, just what a man this bloke is. And so we hope you guys enjoy this. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode, um, and we'll see you guys soon. Cheers. Thanks for joining this morning, Henry. Um, how are you? Good, Freddie. Um, I've just finished off finished off the season. I um, had a ten day little break in New York, which was which was good. It was a lot, but back home in Sydney now. Got a week week before we're starting back training, so I'll, I'll put the feet up. That's for sure. We were just talking how, I mean, for those of you who've been listening to podcasts for a while, it's been over two years, which seems ridiculous since we last spoke. But I mean, what are two years you've had? Sort of a roller coaster of emotions. It has someone pumped the brakes on time that did go quickly, but it's been been polar opposites really. The end of the twenty twenty one season to the twenty twenty two seasons vastly different. Um, so I, let's start in the current. We can always work backwards. So obviously this season was you guys are now number one in the world. What a season you had! Yeah, it was. It was. It was something. It was definitely. Well, it was the best season um, I've ever had, but also the Australian seven teams ever had as well in history. So I know. The team's happy. Rugby Australia is happy. Um, there's still obviously room to improve, but you know we really just um, looked ourselves in the mirror and said, "Look, if we want to get better or, and, and and get the funding or respect we, we want or we think we deserve, we've got to start winning or we've got to start performing consistently." Um, and that was our big, big, big line, big kind of key that like we're trying to focus on was our consistency, being a top four team every tournament, and and I think we did that well this year. And obviously, so when we first spoke to you, you were sort of just just broken into teams, sort of one one and a half seasons into playing sevens. Now, are you one of the more established members? Do you see yourself sort of someone that some of the younger players coming through can look up to, or do you still see yourself? Yeah. No, 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 definitely. So I played sevens before Rebels, and then I went back to yeah. seven. So I was kind of like coming back into my second my second stint. Um, so yeah, I've definitely have taken on 
um, more of a leading role, uh, vice captain of the team at the moment. So, you know, we've got Nick Maloof, who is captain, um, and he does a great job. He's a great leader. But he's he missed a few tournaments this year, so I was lucky enough to captain the side and just kind of get dip my toe in the water. I think I did a few things okay, a few things not so well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm enjoying the role, and um, it brings extra responsibility, but I like that. Talk to us about that then. So what did you do not so well? What did you do so well? So how did you find it? I, I loved, you know, I was pretty cruisy captain, right? Like, um, but I love changing the boys. I love, I, I just kind of liked kind of speaking before I go out. Um, you know, I love the jersey. It's, it's my passion. It's it's my why. It's why I get up in the morning is playing for the team. So, you know, I was able to sh- show the boys my passion and my love for the jersey by talking before they left. Um, and I think they they responded well to that. And I guess, um, you know, after the three weeks in Spain, on the last night out, you know, I forgot about my captaincy duties. <laughs> no, that sounds, and so that's obviously the highest honour you could sort of be looking towards, but obviously Nick is a little bit older than you, isn't he? So is that something you see yep. long-term as in you think you are the natural replacement? Oh, maybe. Who knows? You know, there's a lot of great great leaders and great blokes that roll through the squad. So, um, you know, nothing's ever for, for certain or given to you. Um, I'll just, you know, focus on being... Picked every tournament and constantly playing. And if my leadership abilities come naturally and um, the coach thing on the next fit, then so bad. And if not, I respect that decision because the team always comes first. Um, and obviously, so as we said, you world champions. That was back in August. Talk to us a little bit about that sort of being crowned world champions in the days after. Obviously, it must have been quite a fun time to be a part of that squad and just sort of yeah, be a world champion. Yeah, mate. Uh, LA was unreal. So it was a very tight tussle for the, the championship spot um, going into the last turn of the year. So South Africa were probably definitely the favourites. Um, we could win it. Argentina could win it and Fiji could win it. So it was all, there's like this big maths equation you could write it out on the, out, um, out on the whiteboard, Matt Damon style and try and figure it out. But all we knew is like we had to be in the top three, um, you know, and ideally we had to win it. Um, and if things went our way, we had to get top three and, you know, South Africa, unfortunately for them, uh, fell apart a little bit and we got our shot. I mean, you make that top three game and win that last time we did. So the pressure was on, um, but we managed to get there. And, you know, it was, it was a special moment. I had my sister in the crowd there, actually. She was there. Um, so it was great to spend that and experience that with her. Um, but, yeah, the, the night they came was good. It was good fun in LA. We had Mr. LA and the team, Billy Meeks, so he yeah. kind of needed spots so ready to go. Yeah, no, he must be a useful man to have around around there. Um, but he seems like he's set Definitely. very well um, over there. Um, then sort of moving backwards a bit, obviously the other big thing that happens is for you since we last spoke was the Olympics, which we yeah. know we talked to you about Rio already, but Tokyo also didn't go to plan for the Aussies, but... Talk us to, through a little bit about the process of just before your expectations, just what sort of went wrong. Yeah, I've had a lot of time to reflect on it. Um, it was very disappointing. We came seventh. Um, but maybe at that time, they look back at it, maybe that's what we deserved. I don't know. I, I definitely do feel like the team right now is um, is different. There's a, there's a different hunger in the team. There's a different vibe in the team. Um and I feel like we're, you know, it's very different. Leading into leading into Tokyo was also difficult. With no one knew what was going on with contracts and um, and the future of the game. Uh, 
but I guess a lot of teams are in the same in the same same boat. And we just stuffed up that first game against Argentina. And, you know, sevens is a very, very unforgiving sport. And once you lose one game, you're on the back foot. It's hard to get back in. And then so sort of the Olympics itself, though, was that just as good as Rio? Because, I mean, all the reports from Tokyo, that was it was still incredible. Yeah, it was different, though. Like, it was still very special. Like, you're still mm. in, a, in a village. Like, a city builds is like, little bubble life where you just yeah. kind of you're hanging out with all these different athletes but COVID did dominate it so you weren't allowed to leave the village only to train um obviously the the country well the city was in a state of an emergency so there was no one on the streets it was just yeah. dead quiet um and there's a lot of restrictions across the villages um in the village across the country sorry each country had different kind of rules about what their athletes could do and Athlete, um, the Australian house set up a fantastic house. It was so welcoming. They had baristas there. They had a lot of the the internal people did so well to make it feel as vibey as possible. But there was also strong um, strong restrictions on us not, I guess, mixing with other countries. So it was a bit sterile. Um, but that's just kind of the way the world was at that time. Mm. And so in the aftermath of the Olympics, what was sort of the teams, the setups, what was sort of the approach? Like, how are we going to change this? Obviously, it didn't go to plan, but like, fresh start, just go again? Or were there any big yeah, so, changes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but obviously, the women's and men's program didn't perform um, to what Rugby Australia expected. And there's a big review, of course, and the season. And then after the review, the season kind of just started, and both the men's and women's program went to Dubai. And we played in Dubai with a like there was a change in attitude, but it was still a very similar kind of structurally. It was the same. And then start of the new year, coaches swapped. So Tim Walsh, our coach at the time, went to the women's back to the women's program, and John Menenti, who at the time was a women's coach, came across to us. Um, and look, change is always pretty scary at the start, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's going on? It's so weird." Because yeah. obviously, the men's and the women's program, they. We train at the same at the same headquarters, same field, so you see a lot of each other. Um, but the women's program's done really well this year. They they won the World Series, World Cup, Com Games, and we've won the World Series, best and most successful season we've ever had. So, you know, maybe Rugby Australia were looking at the glass ball and made the made the right decision. I mean, do you have any insight into what the thinking behind that was? Because I mean, what most people would tend to think is, if you've had an absolute shock, you clear out, get a new coach in from outside to have a new perspective if you guys have if the coach both sort of been in and around mm. surely the actual things can't change that much yeah look no I, I no we weren't really the players weren't really um told anything involved i guess um with the process i guess with tim he had sex success with the women before winning mm. gold in rio so yeah. there was that and then i guess i think with johnny they could see this the, the way he coached and the style he had with um, James Stannard, Chucky, an old player, they paired up together and how that might positively affect us and might work well with us. And they made the right decision there because we, we're loving playing under Johnny and Chucky. They're doing a great job. Um, and I think they've, they've signed on to the next Olympics. That's good. And so obviously when I was sort of back in Canada, we've already talked a little bit about the future, but for you personally, what sort of like the next, next step to you? Obviously big season coming up. I think 11 or yeah. 13 tournaments, I can't remember what you, what you said. 11, yeah, 11 tournaments. It's a big season because it's an Olympic qualifying season. So 
top four teams are automatically qualified. Um, and if you don't make it, then you've got to go through your region. Um, and obviously, the Australasia region is pretty strong. Oceania region, you've got Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, Samoa, you know, arguably four of the five best teams in the world at the moment. Um, hopefully, we'll all qualify automatically. Um, but you never know. So, you know, the, our goal next season is to just get in the top four. Well, no, obviously to win, but like yeah. in, so secure the top four. Yeah, secure the top four um, automatic qualification. And then once that's done, we then look to the Olympics. So I think the group that we've got now, we're all pretty focused on going to the next Olympics. So I know, um, you know, everyone's on different contracts and different timelines, yep. but it'd be great to keep the squad together. Um, I think that's been the... The difficulties of success in the in the past because players just go on um, and it's just kind of a revolving door. But if we can keep the the spine and the talent together, who knows? Mm. And on a on a personal level, is that you're just trying to contribute to the team? Are there any personal set goals that you've got for yourself? Oh no, I just contribute, keep playing well. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll I've signed on to the next Olympics, so you know my my goal is just to lead the team in whatever way possible and capacity as much as I can um, to the Olympics and just keep improving, try and be as best as I can. And I don't know, hopefully we can pick up a few medals along the way. Nice. And obviously last season on a personal note, you were obviously all your contributions were highlighted. It was, no, was it 2021 where you won the um, Sean McKay sevens player of the year? Yeah. 20, 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Two time. Um, well, yeah, it kind of mixed, mixes over, but yeah. But, I mean, that must be nice to have all your sort of hard work sort of recognised yeah. and awarded for it. Definitely. Like, of course, it's, it's a great feeling getting um, recognised, um, but especially from your teammates. Um, you know, you don't do it for, for awards. You know, you do it for success as a team. You do it for the memories. You do it for a good life. And, you know, you do it for your country. But, you know, when you pick up a few awards on the, on, along the way, it's great. Um, it's great to be recognised. Uh, like I said, I love playing for the team. Um, it's so much fun and I hope to do it for a little bit longer and continue continue the good form we're having. Your awards cabinet at home must be getting pretty full with medals and a couple of trophies in there. Oh, not full enough. We can't get ahead, too ahead of ourselves, you know. Like, we're just focusing on staying consistently at the top. Oh, there or thereabouts, you know. that You look at the Fijis, the South Africans, the New Zealands, you know. They've done this for years. They've done this for years. Always been those top three. Yeah. So if we can be up there with them all the time, that's where that's where we want to be. But you're 25. You've got a lot more time to win a few more medals, hopefully a few more trophies. Yeah, 25. I feel a bit longer. I think um, I feel a bit older. God. Um, the Rocket Rod Davies, Rocket Rod Davies, came into the program a few years ago, and he, he was a bit older when he did, and he was just shocked at all the running, and he's, he was getting so sore, and he said to me. Sevens is like dog years. You do one season in sevens and it's like having seven years on your career. So I feel older than 25, but it's still 25. But um, yeah, if a body can keep going, I'd, I'd love to. So you said that Nick had been out with injuries last season. Is that something that you're finding is becoming more and more like, congruent with the game? Because like, it's becoming so intense and so many matches you play, people are starting to pick up more injuries? Yeah, look, the, the intensity and the physicality of the game is just every year getting more and more like... It's very noticeable, um, especially some of the changings of like how they referee the game. It's definitely um, uh, rewarding powerful teams more than like maybe super fast teams these days. So, you know, it's a physical game. 
you know, I think 10 years ago, oh, if, uh, sevens is a bit like touch. It's definitely not like touch. Um, so, yeah, the, body's, the body gets sore. So I've got to be a little bit more careful, stay a little bit more prepared um, on top of my body. So, you know, I don't, you know, blow a gasket or, um, you know, making sure I'm recovering as much as I can between games or between weekends. But that's something I've done pretty religiously in my whole career. Um, and if you do that religiously early on, I think it will pay dividends later in, the, later in, the, in your career. Yeah, you've been fairly lucky with injury, haven't you? You haven't really had that big one which can set you out. Touch foot, touch foot. No, I broke my finger. That's probably the only bad one. And a broken finger and a hammy. But um, yeah, no, I'm too flexible, I reckon. I did gymnastics <laughs> growing up, and it's got me out of a bit of trouble, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, the other big thing with Australian rugby recently, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you watched it from when you were over in America, was the 15s on, on the weekend with that big call. What was your take on that? <laughs> if you're allowed to say. Oh, Obviously ridiculous. <laughs> that was tough, you know. It, the boys played so well, and the Wallabies, you can see it, like, the style they're playing. I think Rennie's got to be playing a really good game. Um, and you can see that they they care so much, and it's so good to see blokes like Bernard and Kirtley and those guys come back to Australia at this age, and I think, you know, they're giving so much to the squad and to the younger players to learn off players with such experience. Um, you know, they, they deserve to win that game and that gets, it gets taken away from them and it just changes the bit as low and it just, you know, now on paper, it looks bad, <laughs> but you know, they were so close and, you know, frust- very frustrating to watch. I was hurting. But correct decision or wrong decision? Wrong decision. Yeah. Not nine, yeah, nine. Definitely. Definitely. No, no, no. Every player does that. Every 10 slows the game down. At the yeah. back end, you know, kicking the ball out. That's just the style it is. I, yeah, I, I think I agree with the fact that it probably happened all game, but it only picks up on it because it was the last minute. But maybe, maybe. It was, what, 39 seconds? So, Well, I'm back and burn out all days, my boy. <laughs> as you should, as you should. But yeah, the 15th program for Australia looks very healthy going into the World Cup, so confident in the bloke. Yeah. They should, come, they should come away well. Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, you don't want to be peaking... Too early. We all know there's one country that does that every year. Um, but, yeah, I think the boys are going in the right direction. You know, I'm not even around the squad, um, but I know a lot of the players and I obviously watch them um, all the time. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they're playing really well. Um, I think a lot of the young players are stepping up and they're getting a lot, a few more caps under their belts to get a bit more experience. So another year before the, um, before the World Cup, they'll be, they'll be, they'll be strong. Is there much sort of communication or integration between the sevens and the fifteens programs? Or are you guys pretty separate? There is on like a personal level. Like there's a lot of because obviously a lot of the boys have played with boys in super teams or growing up or you know in, just within rugby Australia. But from a uh, program point of view, not really. I think the last kind of ten years, the game has just become so different. Uh, you know, like it was very easy 10, 15 years ago for a fifteens player to just go to sevens, play for tournaments um, and go back and then vice versa. Sevens player to just go to super, play a handful of super games or world games or whatever it is, come back to sevens. But it's not it's not that easy anymore. The sevens game is so niche and it, it, it's a different style of football. It requires maybe a different athlete sometimes um, and same with the 15s. So structurally, we have the same goals. We're run by the same group, the same program, like, you know, same board and business. We want the same things, but from a 
training point of view, they're pretty separate. Um, and obviously the other big thing, sorry, sticking on 15s, I know that's not your special, but there's quite a lot of press about Nick White recently um, and sort of mm. his influence. He's obviously come back into the Australian team and some people love him, some people absolutely despise him. He's a bit like Marmite. Do you, have you <laughs> much run in with Nick before? Yeah, I know Nick. Yeah. Nick's, well, Nick's loved here in Australia. He's, and I did a pre-season now at the Brumbies when I was, yeah. oh, I was, would have been young, maybe 17, he was still down there. And he's a full-on character. He's full of energy. He's full of life. And the boys love him. You know, he's just a typical nine, you know, and you want him in your team and not on the other side. Yeah. So um, he's, he's a lot. He's a great guy. And um, he's playing great footy. Yeah, no, he is. When I, I'm down next to him. He was, he was over here for a little bit and he was, he was loved just as much over here. Um, mm. It's interesting because there as well. I have, obviously have been a few comments made about him. Um, yeah. so looking As we said, looking forward to your current seven season, like the next one coming up, who do you think are going to be the Back off of the top, do you think it is again going to be the Oceania sort of countries, or do you think South Africa and Argentina can maintain it? Because South Africa lost a few big players and they're sort of looked like it could be heading towards a transition period. Yeah, I think look, you never write off South Africa. They've got so many good athletes, but they are they are gonna have a transition period. I think they've got a new coach coming through, two new coaches. Um, so we'll be interested to see how they go. RGs, yeah, they're they're so strong at the moment, they, and they're keeping their squad tight. They've got their spine, they've got their players that have stayed for a while now, so they'll trend. They'll be trending in the same direction. I think Ireland's always good. Um, they they are going to lose a key player, um, Terry Kennedy, um, but they're just a good good sevens team. They've got a good balance of you know um, X factor and hard workers and 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 Chiefs that are kind of running the show. So Ireland's. Um, but then I also respect. I, I expect New Zealand to bounce back. Not that they were bad this season. It was just they, they came on a bit late. Um, you know they won the last tournament in LA. I think they were looking pretty strong at the World Cup as well. So New Zealand will be back to where they've always been. And then you've always got Fiji. It's a it's a tight competition, right? There's yeah. there's a lot of good teams. Um, France, bloody good. You know any team can can win it on their day. The the hardest thing about sevens is staying consistent getting in that top four every every year tournament. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. You come to any tournament, there will be an upset somewhere. There will be a, one of the yeah. 10, 14 teams who get a big win. Um, obviously, exactly. England's seven pro, sevens program has taken a pretty abrupt turn the last few years with funding and everything like that. Do yeah. That they're going to come back at any time soon or at the moment they're still... Well, they're turning... So England, Scotland and Wales yeah, have been... Now GB. Now they're GB. But England definitely lost... All their players, like all their kind of all players that have been around for yeah so long, the Mitchells, the Bibbies, Glover, Norton, um, Norton, yeah. um, Carpenter, Burgess, you know, like these guys that were seasoned and who were very good sevens player. They either have retired or moved on or whatever. So they got this influx of just new players all yeah. at once, and it takes time to learn the game. They're good footballers. They're just still learning sevens and. Yeah. When, when you got like 10 guys in a team learning sevens kind of all at one tournament, yeah. it's, it's hard. Um, but they're obviously, they're like, so Scotland, Wales, G, um, England are going to be GB. Um, yeah. That's going to be very helpful for GB when it comes an Olympic year. I think this next year could be a little bit difficult just trying to understand yeah. how it's going to work out, where they're going to be based, how it's going to fit. I don't really have any comms on it. I'm no, not too no. sure if the players have too much comms on it at the moment. But in the long run, that's just going to be 
it's going to be good for them. It's going to be disappointing and sad not to play England, Scotland, and Wales. Yeah, you know, they're such. Definitely. Yeah, no, they they're such rugby nations, and they they've been on the on the circuit for so long. So that's that's de- definitely disappointing as a, an opponent point of view. Um, you, you know, you love those games against England. You know, it'd be like Australia versus England. That's a great rivalry. So I'll miss that. Um, but I'm interested to see how GB go, and I think it's going to be a. a a successful decision for them, the Olympic and Com game, Olympic and World Cup years. Yeah, it's the, I mean, it's casualties of COVID, isn't it? Isn't that for that program? Mm. They just get gutted. Um, but yeah, was. I think I think you're right. From everything that I've sort of read and heard, that is, it's going to be a sort of four or five year plan. But hopefully, in the long run, that the program does come out better of it and then get back up to where they were three or four years ago when they were one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Same. Well, I agree. Cheers for the catch up. Nice to see you. Um, and, and you. We wish you the best of luck again for this year. But hopefully, it won't be. Two and a bit years until we next speak to you. Um, Thanks, Freddie. Yeah, always no, love having you on. Too long. Yeah, no, far too long. Always love having you on. So yeah, keep in touch. I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Unreal. Thanks, mate. We'll chat soon. Cheers, mate. Podcast Network.